Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is uh, JJ of Rain de Blanc. JJ is a Manhattan metalsmith and artist born and raised in the Delaware, Delaware Water Gap area of Northwest New Jersey. She studied photography, painting, and metalsmithing at Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD, right? and Montclair St. University. Her work is heavily influenced by her upbringing in the rural surroundings and nature, by her close family members working in the fields of science and space technology. She's been a clairvoyant, psychic, empath, and experiencer of all things strange for her entire life, the dreams being an integral part of all that she does. JJ, welcome to the show. Welcome, JJ. Hey, guys. How are you? Excellent. This is exciting. Very exciting. I, I, um, I don't even know. We haven't had so much ramp up for a show ever. It's so great. <laughs> by guest. Yeah, by guest. It's been uh, awesome to watch that process. But I personally know that you have unbelievable experiences because we talked about them behind the scenes. And this whole synchro for me right now with you having gone to school in savannah is crazy that's where my momo died i you know have family there and stuff so that's just another added layer for the people out there of this underlying network of just unbelievable synchronicities with jj web just, of synchros yeah. wow that's yeah wow it's and this is the time, like we've talked about this with Bibi, who we do need to get on the show, is this is the time. This is the time National Robots People are. are coming together. I don't know what. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I'm noticing that people are coming together that feel like Ken, like old, like we've known each other. And there's a bunch of us that are, you know, Jerry and I and Suzanne, like this whole group of people that seems to be, I'm swirling with, and you're certainly one of them, JJ, where it's like, we know each other. And so, yeah, and it, more so than ever, like, you know, through life, there's a, you know, you encounter them, but right now it's like a, a group. <laughs> yeah, and group, it group therapy like group? <laughs> uh, well we're kind of, like we, are AA kind of group? we are kind of pushing through like yeah we're all questioning what's going on we're doing our shadow work together well it feels like the more we talk to each other and we're just talking just talking about whatever um even just now when you're talking you mentioned me going to savannah and then um all the connections you have to that like i had no idea about your memo and I'm I'm like, whoa, that's pretty unusual because yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah, just there are a lot of art schools. <laughs> there, there are a lot of art schools. So it's not like I mean Savannah's is a great one, don't get me wrong. And Savannah's fantastic, but it's just we are people don't know how many synchronicities you and I already have. So it's just another that is in this creating this really tight web and it, it's bound with other people so it's you know there's there's something is amping something magical is afoot i love it it's pretty awesome so it is and so i'm gonna share this i don't usually but i i know that they'll this is gonna go to the right ears so i usually pull three cards for the show beforehand i know jerry does too I, it's not like a 
habit. I light a candle and I light incense, not always the card. And I it's I, not I, a habit. It's more like a ritual. Yeah. And it, <laughs> so sometimes it doesn't happen. However, I pulled the six of swords. Nathan is out there. <laughs> and, uh, Nathan Lee. And um, because he's a friend of the show and a podcaster and uh, we're promoting his stuff. He's and a friend of all of ours. The name of his podcast is Six of Swords, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And so having his support is wonderful. King of Cups and the Lovers for tonight's show, for the show. So... I mean, this is like, it couldn't be a better lineup. What does it all cards. mean, Basil? What, Jer? What does it all mean? What's it, what's it all about, Alfie? <laughs> no. ba Basil, yeah. Basil? <laughs> anyway, I... Yes, I said Basil. What's it oh. all about, Basil? I thought you said Basil, which is a jewelry term but anyway it's the angle of the facet isn't it <laughs> yes right uh it's like a bezel uh it isn't it's a it's the, specific it's, angle it's like a it's a cutoff on a sharp on a 90 degree it takes a 90 degree angle away right you see it on mirrors and stuff and yeah or a bezel oh, okay bezel. yeah okay. so tell us what it means tell us Go ahead with your uh, your cards, Nish. No, I just wanted to say this is this is great. So I mean, I usually for me the six of swords. I've had this debate with uh, Nathan Lee. For me, it's usually the the it, we could talk about the six of swords all night. But for me, it's usually the night sea journey or uh, sixes relate to me for me to the past. So actions of the past. And I know that everything kind of leads up to now, and uh, we, you know, you could look at everything as somehow relating to now from the past. But in specific, six for me is a cycle of the past that comes comes around, and so the six of swords is usually one of those cards that hinges on darkness and possible light because you could be you're moving out of the darkness, right? But mm -hmm. you, uh you're being let out i think of it as the family that's my new baby uh so and then the king of cups and the lovers so i just think it's going to be uh, and so i'm associating the six of swords with a bunch of stuff that's gone on tonight today getting ready for the show and then also i cannot separate the six of swords now from nathan lee because of his podcast right so, it's and he, of course I know he's out there in the chat. I'm not, and then not, which I would also like to say the last episode with Alan Greenfield was awesome. Oh yeah, I, yes. Oh man, so good. Yeah, and just the the lovers, the action aspect of this, the how we you know we choose to do this. It's an act of love and all that. And then the King of Cups is just a great loving. Uh, you know, it's, this is uh, for me looking at the show and tonight is coming into it with a, uh, an exalted energy with some agency. And I've been definitely looking forward to the show. So these cards are just good. I don't usually mention that, but let's get into you, JJ. This show's all about you, girl. 
<laughs> okay. Got to rein me in because sometimes mm. I go on tangents. So, but yes. Okay. Well, let's just do the. Let's just go right to the right to the core, which is where you come from in this world. So the things that really inspired you as a child stick out. Uh, all that stuff, the stuff that pops out, your earliest memories, your relationship with nature. You know how this goes. Yes. Um, I'm going to try to not <laughs> get a little nervous. So um, earliest memories. Wow. Well, my earliest, earliest memories uh, really are my dreams, basically. That was a huge part of my childhood because my dreams were um, basically just as real to me as my waking life for most of my childhood from really early on, as far back as I can remember. Um, and a lot of nightmares. <laughs> like, I can remember specific ones that were kind of, um, what do you call it, sort of repeating nightmares. Uh, I had one, can you hear me okay? Is yeah, it, you're, you fine, you're fine. Like I had one that I called the fabric monster um, that I had repeatedly, which was this weird, and it was in black and white actually. And I always dreamed in color um, for the most part, like 98% of the time. So it always stood out to me. And it was this monster basically that was made out of fabric and thread and yarn that would come uh, and try to like, attack me and the kids that I was in sort of a daycare, like a neighborhood daycare um, for many years. And this dream would just repeat on me with this weird fabric monster creature that would come in and terrorize me and the kids and would kill everybody around me. And, you know, it'd be like I was the last person standing and then I would wake up before it killed me. So that was like one of them when I was really young, like probably, I don't know, I must have been like four or something maybe. Um, That's incredible. <laughs> it's that, pretty weird. I don't know what it means. Incredible. I like how, uh, I don't like, I mean, I, I'm sorry for a little you that went through that, but I like hearing this kind of detail. I don't get this often with, the nightmares early on so before we get into more of that were you did you have a relationship with nature at all were you a city kid oh yeah no I we I grew up um it was almost rural it was very close to farmland it was out near the Delaware water gap in New Jersey on the border of Pennsylvania like north northwest New Jersey um Beautiful. So, yeah, it was actually, I mean, people have a lot of shit to say about New Jersey and, and, you know, rightfully so in some respects, but it's pretty beautiful. And there's a lot of acres of farmland and forest and whatnot. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time playing in the woods and uh, with a few friends. So... You know, you, you get a lot of imagination going on in the woods with 
all the trees and the rocks and all the little you know there were a lot of salamanders and little lizards are we talking like, like the pine barrens kind of woods or um that's south i mean, I mean size they're... and scope is it was forest or just the woods the new england woods never mind well where i was it was more just woodland it hmm. was you know it it had started getting developed but there was you know quite a bit of it still wasn't developed enough, so you could wander off for acres. Cool. Yeah. And sounds wonderful. And I yeah. personally love Jersey, so whatever people say. Okay, good. <laughs> I, uh, I used to work at Piscataway. Did you, Jerry? Yeah. Piscataway? Yeah, for MCI. Remember them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> uh -huh. That's funny. You're also not going to believe that I pulled three cards tonight. Oh, we didn't get to yours. It's okay. Well, I would like to hear them. Yep, let, let's we can come back around. I pulled the, what is this, 14 of Trump. Whatever the hell it is. Oh, it's the art card. It's the, four, it's the art card in the thought deck. Sorry. Yeah. So the art deck, the lovers. Oh, again. And the six swords. Oh my god! It was actually, this is what I'm talking about. The first card off the top of the deck was the six of swords. Holy moly! This is what is so beautiful about all of it. Yes, that's that's remarkable. Mm -hmm. well, there you have it. <laughs> oh man! It just okay, means we're so... like a boy band now. We're in sync. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's another shout out to Nathan Lee. I know he's out there. Uh, okay, so this you is great. Did you, were you a fort making kid? Did you in your yeah, forts? Totally. Like big tomboy out there in the woods building shit like way early. Hammer and nails, building forts and um, stealing my dad's tools and Stabbing myself with scissors by accident. That was a fun thing. Oh my God. I had serious for it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like carpentry. <laughs> no, I actually learned a, a big life lesson that way one time at six what, years old. What was it? To not mess around with scissors, um, like hold on to scissors while you're. <laughs> you know, walk around with them pointing a certain way, whatever. I, we, it's a, I'm not going to go into a big tangent, but, you know, I do that. So I was hanging, this wasn't a fort thing, but I was like hanging off of a tree branch with my best friend at the time. And her mother was crazy. She was just a real raging bitch. And <laughs> we're hanging in the front yard on a tree branch. And of course it breaks but not all the way. And like, I come up with this idea cause I knew that we were going to get killed. Like she was just going to kill us. So I was like, well, we, I was like, well, it's gray. Do you have any duct tape? Like maybe we can tape it back on or something. So anyway, I get this idea to like try to tape it back on and it's not working and I've got the scissors. I'm like, well, we should just pull it off. She won't see, let's just pull it off. So like we're, we're hanging, we're pulling. And of course I'm still holding the scissors for whatever dumb reason. And I, you know, the jerking motion, when we finally get it to pull off, I stab myself in the wrist oh, oh. near, near a main artery <laughs> oh, with a pair God. of scissors. 
<laughs> but I just missed. So anyway, whatever. It's long tangent, but yes, I was the kid, the the little girl, like building stuff in the woods and doing crazy stuff. Um, see, I love to hear that, and I I I've pictured you this way, so. It's hard. But it's weird because I also picture you because I think you're in Manhattan now, right? Yeah. So I also picture you just in the city jungle. And so it's good to get this background that you actually did have a relationship with nature and with building and shelter, you know, creating shelters. I think there's something about kids that create shelters like that. It's less and less, you know, that they're not kids aren't really allowed to roam the woods now <laughs> i know well and I, I feel like well even where i grew up it's um it's changed vastly like it's completely you know they've heavily developed the area that i grew up in and you know it's uh i don't know it's just not the same yeah i feel sad and because it seems to me like a lot of uh -oh. especially coming up through the 70s and 80s had can you hear me can't know yeah okay yeah. good yeah coming at least you know 80s and earlier definitely had access a, a lot and this is not of course for inner city kids but we had more access to natural lands where we could play and and it, it's important when we're talking specifically in dreams because we're looking at bigger symbols like archetypal symbols and it widens even though the junk the city jungle is a major archetypal symbol but i think there is something to be said about having a relationship with nature and the way that our culture is going where there's a definite you know there's this there's this divide now there's a gorge between the natural world and yeah if you hang out in the woods you're far right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I suppose. laughs> I mean, well, what else is, would you be doing out there? Why aren't you on? You know, why aren't you on Facebook or playing a video game? <laughs> so that that is awesome. And and so early on, what kind of pop culture stuff, like cartoons, did you like, or movies, um, you know, books, or stuff like that? Oh God, I was glued to the TV. For a long time because uh you know both my parents worked um and my dad specifically was not home a lot so and you know i i had this weird family daycare whatever in the neighborhood so i was always glued either in the woods or you know um glued to the tv it was always like cartoons with bugs bunny and mm. um Tom and jerry and all of those and then it was uh what's happening and yes i love <laughs> my god i love what's happening so much oh god fat albert what yes. else <laughs> 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 And then oh, I loved, I loved all the evening shows too, all in the family, and mm -hmm. um, the Jeffersons. Jeffersons, yes, yeah, all that good stuff. Fat you, Albert. Did you like Fat Albert? Yes, yeah, she mentioned Fat Albert yeah. already. 
Yeah. That was so <laughs> For me, Fat Albert was like Saturday. I love Mushmouth. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, man, that was good stuff. Yeah, I, I was also, I think they called us Latchkey, you know, if they, you know, that's what they called us back then. Yes. Yeah, Latchkey. and in the summer, that? Oh, totally. I mean, when I got a little older, there were, I don't know, like, I think around the age of 11 or so, I wasn't, I was home a lot, alone. I guess the latchkey kind of thing going on. I'm not really sure yeah. what was happening because yeah. I did stay with that family quite a bit um, when my mother was working more. Because for a while, I don't know. It's all it's all kind of vague and fuzzy. I know I there was a weird situation where this other family sort of was raising me while my parents were working and doing whatever they were work, doing. So it was kind of an odd situation, but I did have a period of time, at least in the summers, where I was kind of a latchkey kid, like you're saying, and yeah, then I was, and then I was also watching a lot of TV or like just out in the neighborhood and in the woods with my handful of friends that I had. So I've been spending a lot of time in the woods and getting in trouble. And I gotta just say real quick, I had a friend, my best friend, and we, we didn't get in trouble, but she loved to set things on fire and <laughs> and just she tried to just smoke anything that could be possibly smoked, uh-huh. just like leaves and tea and all kinds of things. And then it was just, you know, trouble going out in the woods and like accidentally setting dry summer brush on fire and trying to get yes. it out. Yes. <laughs> so, that kind of thing going on at like 11 and 12 years old. Yes. I had a weird friend. Well, not a weird friend. My friend Stanley Love out there in, I think he's in Brooklyn. Uh, he's a Juilliard dancer, his own company and all this. And wow. uh, he and I had the same, like, we were always in the woods together. And we had a little band of friends, but they, I always took, I was the fall guy always. So they lit a bunch. They lit this fire with the brush. And of course they all run. And I'm still standing there when somebody came up and I, I'm the one who took the fall for, I got in so much trouble. <gasps> What's terrible. <gasps> Holy crap. But I never gave anyone's name up. I was not a snitch. Wow. I mean, it was so a big were- deal. You so, am I roboting? Uh-oh. Am no, I no, no, it's all fine. No. Okay, good. Yeah. So I find that funny too, that that oh the whole fire thing. I, yeah, yeah, I'm not the one who started it. I was still in cautioning. I was I felt like we were too close into houses. We're kind of on the edge of the wood. That's how we were too. Also, sure. in this period, what was your relationship with so I'm gonna I just feel like you are always a creative person, especially if you're building forts. Do you feel that when you look back at young you, was young you a, do you feel like you could say that you were creative then? Oh yeah. I was always um drawing like anything I I mean I'm fortunate that my mom and dad and my at least my dad's parents would give my 
specifically my dad's mother because she was a, a bit of an artist. She wasn't professional, but uh, she would always give me art supplies and my parents would give me art supplies. So I was always drawing and painting and making stuff and always doing, I actually wrote a lot as a kid. I did a lot of writing, like mm -hmm. creative writing. Um, so I was always trying to make stuff or do writing or do, um, you know, when you had those projects for, for class, like build the, build Stonehenge out of whatever I was, yes. I, you know, you had different options to do different things. And I would always take the creative option and be building volcanoes and all kinds of weird things. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was great. Did you uh, also back there early? Was there religion? Were you coming from religious stuff happening in your in your personal life with your family? Yeah, that was a that's a very interesting thing. So I was raised Catholic, um, even though I find later that my parents really didn't care, but they were just trying to do the quote unquote correct right thing. Um, and just raise my brother and me. I have an older brother. Um, raise us with some sort of structure of mm -hmm. spirituality, whatever. So they raised us Catholic, and I had to, you know, go to the CCD classes and do all the things. Um, but when my brother, who is about eight years older than me, went off to college, he came home. And I guess he was trying to find himself or whatever. And he was going, he was like running the gamut through different religions. And he came home and, you know, tried to convert us to different things. So that was um, kind of an interesting time. I think I may have family members listening and I don't want to offend anybody, but, you know. Yeah, 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 of course. It was a little bit rough at home during that time. You know, being offended is a personal choice. <laughs> I can't help it, but this is what happened. So, you know, it was a little tough on me because I was about 11 and he was trying to convert me and taking me to all these things. And then the other family that was essentially raising me on the side, they were a different religion also. They were Presbyterian and my parents were letting them take me to all their functions. So I had like, you know, three main religions being thrown at me when I was 11. And yeah, that was very confusing for me. Um, I, I, I bet, but I think also it, it did, look at how it created you now. I mean, you're so open and, uh, you know, it, it didn't pin you in. It, it showed you that there are, are all these different ideas about, god and what's out there and what's happening granted i think some of them are scary with like the afterlife like the idea of purgatory and all that oh yeah well i mean firstly catholic guilt is real <laughs> that was like a big thing for me when i was younger i was always just tormented with guilt over like really just trivial things and saying I was sorry over everything and, you know, and then just to have those other things going on. But yeah, it definitely, you know, all these things make you who you are. 
So yes, absolutely. That's like, that's something you can, you, I mean, I, I, it's, it's easier and it's easier at a certain point to look back and say, at least for me, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for all the hardships I went in and through as a young person. So there were, I mean, of course there were years you have to work through it, but at this point, I'm very, very grateful for it all because it did, it did, it was fire and I was forged through it and of it and got a really great perspective and am now just so detached from it that it's stories somewhere, you know, in the ether. Oh, same here. I'm, I'm grateful for, I've been through, I mean, we've shared a lot of things. I'm, I've been through a lot too, and I'm really grateful for all of it, really. I mean, it's, it's transformed me in such a good way, all of it even the really dark stuff so i'm fine with it yeah the dark this dark stuff if we can transmute it is the most important in my opinion is the alchemical stuff and we can actually move that energy through and 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 turn it into something amazing hopefully as far as uh gleaning gleaming something i hate to say this but deeply spiritual from hardship we win <laughs> you know you win yeah. you win at that point because you're you're you know what does not kill you makes you stronger it's a cliche but it's true so back so young jj uh <laughs> <laughs> jj tell us about I am very interested in all this dark dream imagery you have as a young person. I love that you were a dreamer so young and came with uh, memories of some of these. So this cloth monster that kills all your friends. <laughs> and uh, and you're like, you said you're a four-ish there. And it was a, the cloth monster was reoccurring. Yes, it was. And I also had some kind of carousel in the woods, reoccurring nightmare, um, which unfortunately I can't really remember the details of that one anymore, but I know that was a reoccurring one. Um, and then, I, you know, I made some notes here just to help me because I get brain fog. But um, I also had, I started having like some strange, um, well, you know, I don't know what to call them because I don't know what to believe anymore. But I used—I started, as I got older, like I'd say closer to preteen years, I started having sort of, I, I don't know what else to call them, but like alien type dreams going on. Um, I remember one specifically where I was probably maybe 11-ish where I remember being outside in my nightgown in the yard with like lights overhead and stuff like that. Um, that started up and specifically when I was around 15, I started having chronic sleep paralysis going on and, and out of body OBE stuff going on um, and seeing sort of beings in my room on a regular basis you were 16 ish when that started um 15 15 
Yeah. Okay, so let's back up a little bit in, so just this foundational stuff, which is important to move forward from, where, so these, these early dreams, so you had a lot of nightmarish stuff, but did you, so did you have fears? Did you have fear of like things under the bed or in the woods in your waking life? Like, were you afraid to go to sleep without the light on? And when the light was off, were there, you know, this kind of stuff? Yeah, I did start having that. Um, I'm not really sure when it started. I remember there was an incident when I was younger before the sleep paralysis stuff started and before the nightgown thing. Um, I used to have, I had like a ton of stuffed animals and I had a lot of different dolls and other things and there was a point where that stuff started freaking me out my own stuffed animals that I loved and loved collecting they started really making me nervous and I would I'd go through a whole thing every night where I would talk to them all and be nice to them all and like try to appease them all because I was convinced that they were going to kill me in the middle of the night <laughs> that kind of thing mm -hmm. and I was afraid that yeah there was something under the bed and I would have to like check and I would have to check in the closet that kind of thing um and yeah there would be points in time where I would sleep with the light on and I would have insomnia too actually for a good portion of I would say you know I'm not really sure exactly where it started but really early on in childhood. It went on for, I mean, it's been a problem most of my life, actually, insomnia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, they always called me a night owl. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I just couldn't sleep at night. This it's, is- It's a waste of time sleeping. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's a- It's very evil. <laughs> um, but to answer that, I, I did, there was an incident where something happened and I, I still to this day don't know what happened um, where I needed the lights to be on and I couldn't get them to come on. Um, and I remember I had this sort of glow in the dark Frankenstein head at one point. And I just remember seeing that. And I don't think it had anything to do with the Frankenstein head, but I just remember looking at that and something going on in the room and me trying to get the lights on and they wouldn't come on and it was like a kind of a pivotal point and that was somewhere in the childhood before the preteen years and everything seemed to change at that point and um you did you like horror stuff or sci-fi stuff early on too so like star trek and you know any of that stuff that was on old movies with the horror stuff um, some of it, yeah. I mean, my dad was a fan of Star Trek and, uh... Twilight so Zone. I, yeah, Twilight Zone and, um... Night so, Gallery. Uh, the other, uh, the oh. one that's, like, Twilight Zone. Outer, night Gallery. <clears throat> outer Limits. Outer Limits, thank outer you. Outer Limits, okay. The Night Gallery, I don't remember, but the Outer Limits and the, um... We used to watch Doctor Who all the time. Things like that, yeah. A child of eight. Yeah, well, 1973. <laughs> so, so we're working with all this, and then you move into the preteen period, and this is where 
all this what I call juicy stuff starts happening. Right. Uh, well, I mean, it's all so far. Everything with you is juicy, juicy JJ. Um, <laughs> uh, oh man, I'm a nut. It's so. I love it. So this preteen stuff is just amazing. So I want to talk about in the preteen stuff. So eleven. I would like to dive into this experience out in the yard in your nightgown with the the lights overhead can you give us like that whole thing i'll try it's very vague i just know that's where the weird this is where uh, it started right quote unquote alien weirdness started i don't know what else to call it um yeah i just remember ending up outside in the yard with my nightgown on and having a big beaming light above me um just seeing it and being out in the yard and i i know this happened a couple of times i don't know what it was about i just remember that's where it started um and then i mean i'd like to give you more details that's all i can remember but you you actually physically woke you were out in the yard in your nightgown in waking life i don't even know i don't know if it was a real thing if it's some screenshot memory i really just i don't know okay i don't know if it really happened and i went back in the house i Mm -hmm. remember it and then how did what did that lead into and and in specific i'm trying to i would like to parse out some of this this kind of the weird alien stuff and look at some of that because we don't get enough of that on Mente. Yeah, so that's um, where that sort of proceeds when I was 15, when the sleep paralysis stuff started for me. Um, And I remember it might have started earlier, but the very clear first memory of it was when I was 15 and waking up, you know, in that state where you where you're paralyzed, but you're awake. And I remember trying to get my eyes open because I, I heard something in the room. Um, and my, my bed faced a sliding door, door closet. And I remember hearing something and waking up and trying to get my eyes open. And when I could sort of get them open, I saw three beings standing at the end of the bed. And I was like, holy crap, what is that? You know, so. You should just say, hey, it's Mo, Larry, and Curly. (laughs) (laughs) What did Uh, they look like? They were different heights. They weren't very tall. They seemed short, you know, but they were different heights. And they kind of looked like your stereotypical rays or whatever that people describe. but I remember struggling, you know, I was trying to move, trying to turn. And then I remember just kind of floating up off the bed and trying to get my eyes open and trying to see what the hell was going on and looking, trying to look around. And then I remember suddenly, then it was more like an OBE experience where I had like some sort of cord attaching my body to mm-hmm. to the me floating above me and then 
suddenly being pulled out of my body and then being pulled up above, way up out of the house and everything, and then being shown the earth and being told about the earth. And then- What, what were you told? Well, it's a little tough because it's, it's hard to remember because it yes, was so long I know. Ago. I know. And I didn't keep dream journals at the time or anything like that. But I I was being told about the earth and being shown like a like a sister earth, like another plant, like a twin planet of the earth. Mm -hmm. And shown that it was destroyed, like it had, I think, crashed into the earth or something like that. And then I was thrown back into my body. And just, it was a very jarring, you know, I'm 15 and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, this has never happened to me before. And I was freaking out and I, you know, I had never had anything quite so insane happen before. And then I ended up falling on the floor next to my bed. And I still couldn't quite see. And I'm like crawling around on the hardwood floor. And I see these glowing green rocks and I'm trying to grab at them. And then I get picked up and thrown back in the bed and I'm seeing glimpses of these things, these gray things, whatever they are in the room with me. And then suddenly it all stops and I can see the digital clock next to me. Mm. I what, mean, I know for the time. I, um, I do remember, I kind of forgot this detail, but I do remember um, being able to see the clock earlier when it was happening. I remember that it was about two hours had passed from the beginning to the end of the whole thing. And I kind of remember it being like one in the morning and then ending at like three something in the morning. So, yeah, <laughs> that's where that kind of thing started for me and it wasn't quite the same the incidents that happened were not quite the same as the first time um but i really specifically remember that because it was just so bizarre and I, I was like what what is this like green glowing rocks and little beings and i i was completely shaken up for three days i was just i thought i had lost my shit basically i thought i was like oh my god what is going on i'm having a breakdown it did was you have so and, and so speaking of the mood of it what what was was right the confusion is definitely coming across did you have a was there a fear in here uh what was the, what were the deeper layers of the mood going on for you Oh, yeah, I was terrified because I didn't, I had never, I mean, I had always had nightmares and stuff. But I had some strange, I I would say they, I could have maybe had OBs before, but it never felt like that. It was never, you know, I never left the house and was floating above the earth or anything like that. I had always had things where I was like flying or leaping or whatever things happening, but this was, it seemed so real that it was just very jarring. 
and then just to see beings. So I was terrified. It was it yeah. was scary. Yeah. I didn't understand it. It was disturbing. It was very disturbing. And you know, when you're a teenager, a lot's going on emotionally and whatever. I just really thought I was losing my mind. So I was scared. I was afraid of myself. I was like, <laughs> you know, you think you know yourself. And I was just like, what is this? I don't even understand what this is. Yeah, there's a loss of control feeling here, which is always scary. Oh, totally. Especially when you're being mm -hmm. just, I mean, it felt like I was being kidnapped and then I was thrown on the floor and then I was scooped up and thrown on the bed. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, yeah, no control at all. What on these glowing green rocks, do you have, are you able to give us more details on them? What size were they, you know, what, what color green were they? That kind of stuff. I find that extremely relevant in, in other threads of stuff I've been following. This has come up, JJ. These green rocks have been coming up. <laughs> oh, that's cool to hear. Was it Shanghai uh, or something? But that was when she was 15, not recently. Right. Right. So. Well, um, I would, I guess they were, hmm, well, did you, you, I don't, did you see the fluorite that I posted on Twitter? No. No. no okay. Well, that one right now, green one. I'm not saying color wise, size wise. It was, they were basically like something that would fit in your, in the palm of your hand, maybe. Um, to think of a size well maybe the size of a chicken egg i guess but like not that shape mm -hmm. um and the green uh well maybe the color of it could be a fluorite i don't know um yeah that's it i mean that's exactly what i'm looking at right now and that's kind of the color i was picturing so or even like a moldavite green where yeah it's, yeah it's more like a moldavite actually and hopefully like, people know what that is, but um green yeah. rock. It's a green rock, right? It's green, but it's uh transparencies there. Definitely. And three, so that is that's very, very intriguing. And I really love hearing that uh that that, that goes back into this time frame because the recent stories of um seeing green rocks are more modern and uh this is this is adding depth to that i, I too had a green rock experience okay <laughs> so, the green glowing <laughs> rocks are a thing they really are but you do not hear much about them and so it's i try not to see the collective too much it's one of those things i just don't want to front load people with but it's it's extremely significant and it adds, like I said, a whole new dimension to this. So, so this is where it all starts. This is terrifying. I, I would have been, a, been afraid to, were you able, did you feel you were able to share this experience with anyone? Oh boy. Mm, no, um, no, I didn't talk about it. And I had another, the next incident after that, um, let's see now. I'm trying to remember what, because there were several after that. The next one, we, I, 
grew up in a sort of, uh, let's see, it was a bi-level house, but it was more like a 60s Mm-hmm. Sort of Danish modern split and, level, yeah, something like that. And um, I had moved into my brother's room after he moved out, which was next to my mom and dad's room. And there we had a we had an attic that had a trap door. And this one night, something came, and we were like lights outside, and whatever it was was shaking the house and it was making the attic trapdoor springs shake if you can imagine like these springs making a sound and something came again into my room like one of them one of these figures whatever and again I remember always look it was it's always like I would always look at my digital clock with red numbers and I don't remember what time it was because this happened so many times. And whatever happened, happened. And then I remember hearing my parents, both of them, in their room screaming, screaming bloody murder. And I don't remember now what was going on with me. I just remember hearing my parents scream. <laughs> and what, seeing whatever it was in my room. And, and then whatever happened, happened, and it was over. And what well, was almost over, because whatever this thing was, it came and it spoke in my ear before it left. And it said, they're God to me, but it wasn't in a human voice. It was like, like it sounded weird. It sounded tinny or something. It just, it was a really strange sort of garbled tinny voice. And it said, they're God to me. And then it disappeared and the screaming stopped. And then the attic trapdoor spring stopped shaking. And then I could move again. Like the, the paral- you know, the sleep paralysis or whatever, or being paralyzed, then I could move again. And it stopped. So like the next day, of course, like I'm, I'm completely traumatized again over this whole thing. Because I don't remember what happened to me. I just remember hearing my parents screaming. So I was, I had to go to school and like go through the whole school day after this whole thing. And I remember being at dinner, just sitting there. And my parents were like, what is, what's the matter with you? I'm like dropped. I'm like, so I'm like shaking all day. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't hold my fork. I keep dropping my fork on my plate. My, my mom is irritated with me. And she's like, what is the matter with you? And I'm like, I, no, I'm like, do you guys remember last night? <laughs> like, I couldn't, I didn't want to talk about it. And like, they didn't say anything, but I just had to ask because it was just so disturbing. And they're like, no. I'm like, well, so you don't remember anything, you know, noises or anything? They're like, no. And I'm like, well, and I told them because it was just so disturbing, you know? And of course they were like, no, you must have just had a really bad nightmare again. Cause they knew like my whole life that I had always had these really vivid dreams and nightmares. And so, yeah, I just, I never said anything again, basically. I never brought it up. I never talked about it. 
to get back to your point about talking to people about it. Wow, I, uh, I'm, I, it's like I want to hypnotize the whole family <laughs> and, <laughs> and get to the core of this. This is amazing. It did so, kind of stepping back here for a second. Did you ever? Were you ever able to share any of this with your brother? So if you just parse out the parent, you separate out the parents on a sibling level, did you get to interact with him about this kind of stuff at all? No. Um, just because of the age difference. And he had moved away to South Carolina. So um, how much older is he? He's eight years older. Oh, that and, yeah, that's significant. You know, he, like I said, he had gotten pretty religious, and yeah, I yeah. Just, well, that's a big. Feel like he would would be open to it, so I didn't discuss it. Yeah. Well, plus it's also it's a wide gap in age that you know, like my brother and I were three years apart, so we, you know, there was you're more like in in it together. You know, there's a point when you know they're oh if they're a lot older they just are and they're in high school and you're you're still like so and have you over the years been able to communicate with your parents about any of this have they ever had any high strangeness they've been mm -hmm. able to recall um i have talked to my my father is really into astronomy um, he's a retired research scientist and chemist, and he's always had a huge interest in astronomy and used to take us out with his telescope all the time. And uh, so we, he, you know, that's part of my big influence as far as my interest in space and astronomy, at least part of it anyway. There's another mm -hmm. part, but um, so I've had discussions with him that kind of shocked me. I didn't share these things with him, but in the last few years, uh, uh, my parents, they, they live in out, out in Arizona now and they go to Utah in the summer because it gets too hot. And we were just talking and I was showing him some clip of something related to UFOs or whatever. And he suddenly just gave me his opinion on alien life. And I was just sort of blown away because I was just like, what? Because <laughs> he, he basically told me that he felt like uh, Earth was seeded by aliens, like colonized, and that we are some kind of um, like hybrid or something. And, Coming from my father, who's like really practical and scientific and just completely grounded and practical, I was just kind of shocked. I didn't think that he would take that viewpoint at all. But I haven't really gone into any of this with him. Because it's a crazy one or just it's out there? <laughs> I don't know. Just because. Uh, I feel like, I mean, I've been able to discuss some, I have talked about like some of my the visions and stuff that I have um, and a lot of the dreams that I have with my father. 
but I've always felt like I just, I don't know. Anytime I've tried to talk, like there were a couple times younger when I was younger that I tried to discuss these things. I just felt like I was being looked at like I was crazy. So yeah. I just shut yeah, I, uh, I didn't get into it too much. That's why I talked to my parents about stuff. Same thing. And my mother, I mean, early on when I was, I think, 16 or, or something like that, I was having trouble with depression. And she was just like, well, get over it. She just, <laughs> <laughs> so I just never discussed anything with her again. So that was, you know, yeah. Well, it's great that your father finally came out though and, and said that that's a big deal and you know and that's that's a lot for you know some people feel uh you know a bit restrictive talking about this stuff and especially their generation the boomers are less open they were less open to all this outside of like you know pop culture so sci-fi movies and stuff like that and him being a scientist which i find extremely relevant here yeah. uh, do you have military in your close in family at all i did my this is the more interesting part um my mother's uncle um who i basically viewed as a third grandfather my great uncle he was in the Air Force, um, and he actually worked on the Hubble telescope and um, the space shuttle and the X-16 in the lunar, uh, the lunar landing module. Um, yeah, so there's that. And, my, and his son, my cousin Tom, also was in the Air Force, and he worked on the uh, space station and space shuttle and uh, just found out he did stuff for SpaceX too also. Yeah, that stuff's significant, especially with the level of uh, uh, experiences you've had. Do, so when you were young, so back here, back when you're a teenager and when you had these first couple of experiences, did you did you just categorize these as your your conscious mind as these were just nightmares or you know how did you how did you feed this information to your conscious mind about these experiences uh well when i was younger i I mean, when I was really young, I just felt like it. <laughs> any of my dreams felt like real life. Like I had a really hard time discerning dream life versus waking life because it just all seemed very real to me in a sense. But as I got older, like into the preteen teen years um, and, and the sleep paralysis and the OBE stuff started happening, then I then I was very confused. And then I felt like, just had turned to a whole different level. And I uh, kind of trying to answer the question. <laughs> um, well, this is actually a good point to come to wind back a bit. And yeah. <clears throat> let's let's get an idea of how you experience the dreamscape. 
So you mentioned earlier that you you actually had some black and white dreams when you were very young, yeah. uh, which is great. And so what, how do you experience the dreamscape in general? And so we're looking at a wide scope of your life here and has it changed over the years? It has quite a bit. Um, so like I said, it, it seemed just naturally all, it just seemed to all bleed together as far as dream versus reality in a way. But then, you know, when you're a kid, you sort of lose that as you're getting older and everybody's like, no, no, that's not real. This is reality, blah, blah, blah. You sort of start to block things out and start to just believe what you're told. So I started just drawing a clear line between what's dream world and real world and whatever. But then as I got to the teen years and the sleep paralysis and all the really, you know, I had like some really dark, disturbing imagery starting to happen along with the sleep paralysis and like just really vivid nightmares with disturbing stuff that I don't even know where it came from. Um, so yeah, it changed. Hello? Yeah, we're here. You, okay. you sound good. You're clear. It, it looked like it dropped. I'm sorry. So it definitely changed um, in that sense. Things got very dark. They got very disturbing as I got older. And I don't know where it was coming from. It seemed like I was experiencing other people's dreams. It seemed like I was watching movies of other people's. Well, that that's an that okay. I'll say that it seemed like to switch from my life and my experience to other people's and other, just other everything. It seemed to be not even my own um, dream life anymore. I mean, some of it was, but it just seemed to be like I was stuck in this whole other realm i don't know if that makes sense well, do, do you have examples that you can give us to yeah i started seeing all kinds of different beings shadow people um things that look like demons um seeing isn't every isn't everything demons though <laughs> yeah i guess so but things that i wasn't seen before at all and i didn't know where they were coming from like things that i just was like i don't even know where i would be getting this from not even watching movies or whatever it was like i was just seeing like animals tortured and people tortured and bloody disgusting thing people murdered um and it wasn't all like that but it it was a lot so yeah, it changed in that sense. And what when when did it change into this kind of really dark content? How old would you say you were? Oh, right around the 15, 16 year old mark. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was it like right yeah. after puberty? <laughs> um I got a couple years. I don't okay, I guess. Okay. Not really related. No, I don't I don't think so. Not really. Didn't seem to be. 
in in these with this darker content were did you find yourself with a lack of control in the dreams or were you able to confront and and gain some control or at least uh not feel victimized mm, not for a long time no i felt like i didn't have any control over it for quite a while not until i got into my 20s and even then it was hard to keep control of things and so some of this was like third person where you're observing and not participating yeah a lot of it was observation okay yeah do you have like can you give us an example of one um That's hard because there were so many. I'm interested in the shadow people here. Ooh, ooh did you see any hat men? Guys with hats? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of that, but no, I can't say that I've seen anybody with hats. <clears throat> there's some new. new sorry. Go ahead. No, Go I was going to say there's some new cryptid beast shadow thing, whatever, called the flannel man. Oh, flannel man. Like, um, Lumberjack hipster shadow man, I guess. Oh my god. <laughs> <clears throat> Hat man, flannel man, slender man. Right, right, right. Flannel man. It's a real it thing. I mean, so I'm, I'm not making that up. I'm not, I'm, I am serious. Oh, I'm going to have to do, I want more information on that, Jerry. It sounds so hipster. There's one or two strange, familiar episodes about it. Tim Renner talks about it. I'll find it. For you. Okay, cool. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of, uh, not specifically. I mean, I can give you, I actually had, and I started having premonition dreams, which those I have specific ones of. And those were I'm, a couple of years, those were like around my 17th year. I had a lot of those. So, all right. So let's move into the premonitions next. But I would like to just on, on kind of dwelling on these, the, the tortured animals, the the murders, the sh shadow people, and all this kind of that stuff. Was there, were any of these happening like in a reoccurring thing? So would you, you know, were they, did they, were they reoccurring, any of them? Not that I recall. That's the issue. That's why it's hard to remember because they were all different. They were all, seemed, <laughs> your little friend there. They all yeah, seem yeah. different. I can't think of a specific one. And it's it's unfortunate because I did have dream dream journals, um, but they've since been lost. But that's all right. It's still it's still the, the fact that you're able to tell us this much, which is great. Uh you know me, I just like to dig into these details. So so in here the premonition started happening when you were ha about how old would you say um i had had them for for a while but they really were like at a big pinnacle around the age of 17 i would okay. say and give us some so you said you have some some examples for us yeah they were happening a lot um, in my freshman, I think freshman year, 
of high school. And I had written a few down here. Um, and they were all just like about classmates that I wasn't really close with. And specifically in my art class, which was kind of weird. And there was one um, about, I, I wrote it down. There's this one girl, Isabel, that I didn't really know too well, but she was in my art class. She was friends with some of my friends. And I had this one dream about her one night. Um, and I was just in the dream and I was outside this gray house in an empty field. And um, the windows and the front door were open and I went inside and it was all empty. It was completely empty and there were sheer drapes and the windows were open. And I was looking around and the walls were gray and the floor was black. And I started to hear a female crying. And I looked down at the floor near where the crying was coming from. And there was this girl, Isabel, from my art class. And she was kneeling in front of me, crying and sobbing. And she looked up at me and she said, please help me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she grabbed around my le my legs and I woke up. And I went to school that morning. And when I went to art class, I sat down at the table and she came in and she came and sat at my table with like a few of her friends. Cause you know, these are kind of like big, big tables cause you're doing projects at them or whatever. So she sat on the other side and she came in crying and all of her friends were asking her what's wrong. And she, was, she said that her parents had kicked her out of her house last night and that she had nowhere to go. And she was asking her friends if she could stay at their houses. So basically, I mean, I don't know if that's a premonition, but to me it was because I'm having this dream, this random dream about this girl. I don't even barely know her. And she's like in this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming about this empty house and she's sobbing saying she doesn't know what she's gonna do. And then I go to class next day and she's crying saying she got kicked out of her house and she doesn't know what she, she's going to do. That's a solid hit. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely solid, JJ. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. Did you did you communicate to her that you had had that premonition? No, no, I didn't say anything because, like I said, I didn't really know her that well. We just had class together. I mean, we knew each other to say hello and stuff, but I didn't know her that well. That's kind of, and that's also what makes this a great example as well, is that you weren't, you didn't have a relationship really, and so you weren't, you know, neuronetted in to each other. Yeah. And so that's fantastic. So this is kind of leading into this whole period of of more. So when you get these hits like that, there's something that happens. A neural pathway does open up that says, oh, this is possible. And uh, it, I mean, it doesn't say that, but your conscious mind says, this is possible. This, you know, I, this, you put these events together and uh, you give yourself permission. So was how common did these become and do you still 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 have premonitions sorry you cut out oh man my 
Mike's my thing here. So how common did they become and are you still uh, having premonitions? Oh yeah, they, they were pretty common, especially around that time. I had, I had another, I had a couple um, and they were similar, pretty creepy. <laughs> um, and I still have them. Um, and I also have waking premonitions and visions of events like world events or um earthquakes and volcanoes going off and that kind of thing can you give us an example of some recent waking premonitions um i had one about krakatoa going off um which my friend we know astra lunachik yes love her um, yeah She's one of my besties. We, I had been talking to her a lot about, really, it started, well, it's been going on forever, but I had, with that one, um, I think it was about three weeks beforehand with that one, that I kept referencing it over and over and sending her pictures of it, and she was like, what is that? I don't even, she wasn't even remember. like, it sounded familiar but she couldn't remember what it was about you know you see like the the famous painting of when it blew back in I think the 1800s or whatever and I just kept I was like fixated on it like kept talking about it kept thinking about it and then it then it did blow I mean you know whatever people can say well yeah it's bound to happen sometime or whatever but yeah but that that kind of language is dismissive and it shuts down the process so (laughs) you know she she did and we kept tracking it and i kept making notes and she kept notes about it and then it did blow (laughs) and earthquakes i have like extensive notes on my phone about south south american earthquakes near the near um ecuador and the equator uh back in well it's been a while it's may now when these so these are waking premonitions or waking visions as you called them how do they so walk us through how one will happen how does it how did you experience these um they're different at times like with with those i kept actually well I'll, i'll give you this i I get severe migraines and seizures and unfortunately I'm having to take medication now to control those, which is, is working for me, but I, I've been trying to get off all pharmaceuticals and unfortunately I didn't quite make it with that. So I was having like severe migraines during the time of the Krakatoa thing again, like it was just unbelievable. I couldn't, I couldn't function. And I was, in fact, losing hearing in my left ear altogether for days at a time. And I kept saying, my head feels like Krakatoa. I kept kept saying Krakatoa over and over and referencing it to feeling in my head and, like, dreaming about Krakatoa and, like, whatever. So sometimes it's something like that where I'm referencing it and it's coming through as like a physical symptom 
in a lot of ways. Um, in other ways, um, I'm trying to keep on track here. There's been, since the beginning, well, since the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019, while I'm doing meditation, I do like a sort of prayer slash meditation type ritual, I guess I would call it. I don't really know what to call it. It's just something I do with candles and Santo, whatever. And I've never been really able to meditate in a stereotypical traditional sense. But anyway, so I go into these sort of trances sometimes as I'm doing it. And then I'll start seeing visions, like actual visual something or other. And I'll have visuals of things. Like for a while I was seeing constellations or battles. Like for a while I was seeing uh, things with lions and chariots and fire and like arrows and stuff. And couldn't figure out what, what it was about. Or I'll get like the names of star systems and coordinates of things that I don't even know what they are. And I'd be asking Astro Lunacek, like, hey, um, <laughs> I just got this, this name of something. Do you know what this is? Because I don't know what it is. Do you, can you look it up for me? Um, and then we'll look at it. And then, you know, she'll be like, um, yeah, this is lined up. Like, she'll look at the astrology chart. And it's like all lined up coming up in the next few days. And then I know I'm going on a tangent, but, but things will line up. And then whatever I've gotten information on, like there was some kind of binary star system that they discovered two days after I, I got uh, a vision of. That's some, I wish I could remember the, the name of what it was, but that kind of thing. Again, that's that's very significant. It's awesome that you have Astro Lunachik as a partner in crime here yeah. to help you weed through this no. material. Because there's well, there's so much it's it's always like a treasure hunt, right? You're working we work with symbols in the end and then we have to translate into language. So I I'm very intrigued with how long have you been having migraines? Well, that's the interesting thing. Um, I have not had migraines for my entire life until, uh, I guess now it's going to be coming up on three years. I never <laughs> had migraines. Yeah, yeah, I know. Or seizures um, ever until it'll be starting in August. I guess it'll be three years. Oh my goodness. And so the hearing in your left ear, how did it, how's it change? Tell me about like the physical aspect of it. Yeah, that's the interesting thing too. I started having hearing loss, um, I'd say about six years ago and noticeably to the point where I'd have to sit on someone's left side if I'm in a bar or a restaurant to be able to hear them through background noise and stuff. And then recently, you know, with the migraine stuff, um, I wasn't having hearing loss until 
basically, uh, I would say November or December. And that's when I finally discussed it with my neurologist. And, and then I, st I actually had an uh, audiogram. But anyway, to answer your question, it, it basically, I just stop hearing. I can't hear anymore. Like it just goes out all com like as if, you know, you put an earplug in. Does it sound like static? Uh, so when you put an earplug in it, so you can, you can kind of hear it's dampened and right. there's this inner static that can happen. Right. Like a white noise kind of yes, thing. Yes. Like white noise. Mm -hmm. There. Yeah. I mean, I do hear that kind of, there's something, but I can't hear anything externally. Um, so yeah, I do hear some sort of, it's I guess. internal, right? Right, we'll call it, I guess, white noise, but yeah. I can't, and I get extreme, I get like really bad vertigo. I feel like I'm underwater, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. What about, so the tinnitus, even though they'll say the white noise is part of tinnitus, what about uh, ringing in your ear? Did this precede the hearing loss? Do you experience, I'm talking about the left ear now too. I'm only talking about the left ear. Right. Uh, did it precede? you going losing hearing there and do you still if you got it do you still get ringing i um i very rarely get any ringing in that ear i mostly get it in my right ear actually uh or that high pitched sound or mm -hmm. i actually i have to say since this is making me think about it um I get more of a a low, um, I don't like a guttural kind of. Get like more of a low tone in the left ear, and it's not really. It's not really in the ear. It sounds like it's coming from behind the ear in my head. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's I the guess. implant. Yeah, well, that's what it seems like. <laughs> it seems like more of something that's, you know, in my head. In the, but it's feel, you know, it sounds like a, it feels like a sound. It feels like a sound. It's really hard to articulate, honestly. Did okay, so I'm now I'm trying to get a link between these experiences and your waking premonition and so is there a connection here well there may be i don't know you you may recall that um astro lunachik and i had posted something that happened to me when we were together like a video of something yes. that I, yeah um i think that's when i really i was like i need to book you you weren't booked at that point <laughs> Right. I don't know. I, I, well, we had talked about it, but yes. that was weird. I seemed like a time slip kind of thing that had happened to me. I don't know if it was a premonition, but it was definitely another thing that happens to me a lot where I kind of, I don't know what to call it. It feels like a time slip or like something where I'm going interdimensional or I don't know what. And that's been really new. So for people that weren't in the loop of that, just fill in the audience. Yeah. So she and I were hanging out 
and sitting at the dining room table. And we were just talking everyday stuff. There was no weird conversation, not weirder than usual, just everyday junk, talking about laundry or something like that, mundane. And it started with something had come and touched me out of nowhere, had come and like grabbed my foot. And I thought it was for Cat because he loves to come and grab my foot. And I thought it was for Cat Louie. And I looked down and he wasn't there. And I was just like, whoa, what, what, the, what was that? <laughs> I'm looking for Louie and he's not around because something came and just tugged on my foot. And I'm like, okay. So we just keep talking. I'm like, all right, um, must be tired or something, whatever. We keep talking. And she's talking to me and I'm looking at her. And suddenly I realize that there's music playing. Like I, I hear it outside. She had the window open a crack. And we're in the city. We're in Manhattan. And it sounds like old-timey music, like from the 20s or 30s. But I think it's one of those, I, I don't know. I thought maybe somebody was outside blasting it from their car. It sounded like it was maybe passing by kind of slowly down the block. And it almost sounds like a parade outside, like a ticker tape parade or something. And I realize, like, I'm totally, I'm still talking to her and I'm nodding my head, but I'm like out the window. <laughs> I'm listening to that music. And then something she said caught my attention. Like, and I, my full focus went back on her and her looking at me. Like, her eyes caught my attention. And I suddenly, like, snapped back into, like, full focus in the moment, in that reality. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. She's like, what's going on? And I'm like, something just happened. Something was trying to pull me outside. She's, I was like, what, what, did you hear that? And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, you, you, you're kidding, right? You didn't just, did you hear music? She's like, looking at me like, I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, no, no. And she's like, do we need to record you? <laughs> And I'm like, well, maybe. She's like, okay. So she turned on the the recorder and she's like, tell me what happened. And I'm like, well, I'm sitting here and you're talking to me. And I started hearing this music coming from outside. And I'm like, I just asked her again. I'm like, you didn't hear that. You're telling me you didn't hear it. And she's like, no, I really didn't hear it. And then I start, as I'm talking to her, I start realizing, and this is getting back to the point now about the hearing. As I'm sitting there, I, I start realizing all of what just happened. It wasn't just music, it was nothing. I start actually seeing in my head a visual, like I'm being shown psychically what just happened to me, um, where this sort of transmission came through my left ear and it passed into my brain and stopped in my left hemisphere. 
and then jumped to my right hemisphere and then went out. I know this sounds really weird, but then it jumped out my right hemisphere past Susan, past astrolunachek, Susan, whatever, goes to the window, then it bounces back, passes her, and comes to my right ear as music playing. It's like trying to trick me that it it was happening. I don't know how to explain it, but it was very bizarre. And I remember as I'm telling her, it's like amnesia wearing off. Are you following me at all? <laughs> this is just, I. it's very, yes. I feel yes. crazy telling the story. And I don't even know if it's making sense, but. I remember as it's happening, just to, I remember as it's happening and as I'm telling it that as I'm coming out of this fog of amnesia and being shown what just actually happened in slow motion, that this strange transmission came in as a sound into my left ear. Mm. kind of a sound and like a frequency and it did have a sound so anyway go ahead and ask a question because i don't know how else to explain well you you know when we when we lose a a sense so in this case you're hearing in your left ear that's usually when the psychic sense comes forward so clear audience and uh and it's so common and, and and unfortunately a lot of people because of in western society shut that stuff down and and won't entertain it and um and so i think they lose you know you lose a great deal you lose something special there and all of this ties into this deepening of their audience that you have access to now and of course you're very open so i you know i'm just i'm just throwing that out there that's that's my comment is that your psychic sense is now stepping in where the physical sense stepped out right and it's great that you have you can hear in your right ear and you can get around in this in the mundane world in the in this in this in this realm this waking 3d world but you have a foot in the psychic world as we already know <laughs> from all the other stuff girl <laughs> i mean I've, I've been given a lot of good examples but i i have had like i had a, a dream about this the space shuttle columbia breaking apart the morning before it happened and things like that but yeah i definitely uh, now more than ever, I keep having these strange things, just like this example happening this entire year of these weird little incidents. What's going like to happen next? <laughs> I know we want to right, Jerry? We're consulting JJ now. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to know. Are there, are there hundreds of thousands of indictments now? Oh, God. Unsealed indictments? Okay. I don't even want to look at that stuff. Uh, I know. Give us. I, I really stay out of the politics and move into like the bigger stuff. Uh, that's the sideshow. So, okay. 
I want to weave back into into dreaming and all this. So yes. let's we'll get back. We're coming back here. Everything is a, a helix. What about so we we know you OBE and travel a lot. I would like you to maybe explain to us your experience of of being out of body. How do you experience it? What does it? What are the sensate? What's the sensate aspect of it? You know, what does it? What can you describe about it for us to to bring us into the experience as you experience it? Um. Well, I definitely. Hmm. <laughs> I do. I do seem to fly a lot um, at high speeds. I tend to stay earthbound, I guess I would say. Um, it's a lot of, I don't, it's weird because when I do it, it's, I do tend to fly in different places over the planet and skim really close above like there's a lot of times where I'm like just speeding, like flying over like reservoirs of water and stuff, just above the water. Um, I'd say like a couple of feet above the water and like above the tree lines and stuff. Um, it's a little weird because sometimes I don't know uh if i'm it's weird i a lot of times i'm different people like i'll see my reflection of myself oftentimes in mirrors and like elevators like shiny elevator doors and stuff and i'm not me i'm like a bald man in his 50s i'm a asian girl i'm a black man being the manager of a motel <laughs> there's like all kinds of but i don't really know if that's obe necessarily but the other I mean, the clear ones are when I'm kind of flying over the surface of the earth and seeing different landscapes and things like that. And a lot of other times, it's sort of blurring the lines between where you're seeing, where I'm seeing like unusual things. Like one time I, saw a bat resting on a like the front of a manor house or something like that and i had followed it i was like i do this sort of leaping and bounding thing too <laughs> where i'm kind of jumping and then like getting really up high in the air i'm not like flying but i'm sort of leaping and then i'll see different creatures it's weird Kind of like Harry Potter weirdness. I don't know. <laughs> I was just gonna say, oh, like that that scene where they're flying over the water. That's exactly the scene from the Harry Potter movie. I think it's the fifth one where they're flying oh. on the dragon over the top of the water, really close. Yeah, that's the image yeah. I got when you said you're flying over water. I was gonna tell you that. Yeah, well, I mean, I have a lot of those. That's not so fantastic with like dragons and things like that there's just been kind of i'm not gonna obviously it's not you know quote unquote normal average whatever but it's just been 
like nature without any mythical creatures going on or anything like that. But um, then there's other times where there are. So it's it kind of varies. So when you're flying, how do you fly? Does it change? Is it always the same? What's your, how do you fly? Are you a floater? Are you a Superman type flyer? You got a broom? <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it, I mean, I don't put my arms out in front of me, but it feels like Superman, I guess, kind of, because it's so fast. Well, you'd be surprised a lot of people actually fly like that where they do have their arms out and i i mean i get lots of that real i i might i could almost feel confident in saying that might maybe the most common stance like flying stance i hear yeah i mean i you know i'm sure it, it makes sense and maybe i do sometimes but i don't it doesn't i don't feel like i don't know i'm thinking about it now I don't feel like I do. So within the dreamscape, what about encountering, so I've encountering others that are not you. So beings, and, and we know, I mean, obviously you've been giving us this, this material, but so I'm looking for, I'm looking for not, so not the ET stuff, I'm, I think I'm looking for maybe other dreamers that are awake in the dreamscape. I just didn't want to say that. I never want to say that. Hmm. So that you encounter it. Well, you're clearly not pushing, you're clearly not driving their narrative. They are autonomous. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of time. I mean, I, I know what you mean, but there there's a lot of times where I feel like I'm just watching a movie of their of their experience and of their existence like i'm just the observer or uh, or even when i see my reflection i feel like i'm i don't know like it's just like i'm in their dream basically and then i'm just what about, okay, so what about those that you've known in this physical life that have passed? And this includes animals. Mm. Do you experience them in the dreamscape? I have, yeah. And not often. Well, I have to, there is a story I do want to tell. And I know we're probably getting close to time. But yeah, I have actually seen um, some people I've been really close to that have passed and they haven't been able to speak to me, which I know is pretty common. Um, but they gesture and they show me things. I haven't seen anybody in a while, but they've, they've shown me things and gestured and like smiled and nodded and like given me information without speaking. I so guess. you're getting telepathic information from them? Yeah, sometimes, or just, you know, it's sort of like a Pictionary in a way, that they're giving me information or showing me, uh, like, they'll gesture towards something. 
mm-hmm. to give, give me a sign or show me some sort of information with. But yeah, telepathically also. This is, I mean, I, I love that. It's within like the, the realm or the concept construct of of the dream when we're talking symbolically anyway the telepathic stuff within that particular space i find you know always extra juicy and so because it's like it's almost like a layer of consciousness within a layer of consciousness a dream within a dream so I know I can't I just looked at the time I can't even believe I, know. I can't one. even believe it's this time how did this happen so I want to get to a couple a couple more things what are you what's your idea of of waking life versus dreaming life like what do you think it what do you think this idea is of this consciousness that's happening where we're here you know, in the shared agreement of life. Oh boy. Well, that has really changed, especially very recently because now like really recently, even I've been having, I always have really, uh, vivid, crazy dreams in the morning when I've woken up and gone back to sleep, usually even, um, around say like six thirty in the morning or so. If I get to fall back to sleep, even within like 20 minutes to half an hour, I'll have these extremely vivid, realistic dreams. And lately, I've (laughs) decided that I don't think they're dreams anymore, that they seem like they're actually happening on a different timeline, that they're actually just a continuation of this consciousness. So, um... Hmm. <laughs> I it's a difficult I don't know, it's maybe not difficult. I just feel like now more than ever, at least for me, that dreams are just an extension of just all part of consciousness. The waking and the dream life are all the same thing and that we're just having one continuous just different timelines i don't know i don't know how to explain it i feel like uh the whole interdimensional i don't know i think we're just having different dimensions and that maybe we're existing at the same time on different planes i don't know if that makes sense but fine No, that's that's good. I mean, that's there's no right there's no right or wrong answer, and you know this is why we're always just looking for the people's personal experiences and ideas, and so uh, it's all it's all valid to me. Yeah. So is what it, what, it, what were your conclusions about that? Thank about you, Jerry. What's that's where I was on? going. I know. My conclusions about. Um, the oh, recent dreams or the about what the hell is going on with you oh god you know, what, um, what are you uh entangled in <laughs> <laughs> what am i entangled in yeah sure because only some people have this is my opinion only some people have these experiences 
portion of the populace, well, yeah. right? So That's they are right. entwined with something that is causing. Um, and I guess the thing that we kind of think that I'm interested in personally is, is it an external or internal thing? Is it part of the collective or is it another collective? A separate special collective? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you know, it would be, for instance, if all humans had a collective and, well, okay, so humans have a collective and like dogs or wolves, right? They have a collective intelligence or mm. consciousness. Yes. So I assume that these entities have a belong to a collective of some sort. And I'm just curious if that's part of the overall universe or is it part of something else? I don't know. It's, well, it's curious. That's an interesting, I mean, I think that, you know, if you look at it from that perspective where there's different levels like you've got your amoeba, and then you've got uh, a minnow, and then you've got a dog, and then you've got a human. I don't. Maybe there's different levels of collectives. Um, I guess maybe is what you're saying. Yeah. And right, right, right. Yeah. And yeah, maybe there is. But I think I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else or special or whatever. But there's something different, and I. Maybe I just maybe we're all on a different frequency. Or, yeah, frequency and evolution. Oh, that's interesting. You say that. Do you think that you do you feel that you've been like chosen for this, or it's just happenstance, happen change? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious. I'm just curious if if you've come accept it as oh i accept it absolutely yeah, yeah yeah i mean i have to say this you know i was never supposed to be born i my mother has a disease and it's hereditary like me and um she was fortunate enough to be able to have my brother and she was told she was not going to be able to have another child and um she was using birth yeah she was using birth control to control the disease so she basically wasn't supposed to be able to have me and then also was using birth control to control disease so there's two two factors there that was preventing me from coming into the world and then 8 years after being told, you know, and having all this go on, I'm coming into the world anyway. And she didn't, you know, I, we, I'm not going to go there. My mom and I had a kind of not so great relationship. And I don't think, you know, she, she wouldn't have chosen to have me, but my dad wanted me. And I guess she maybe felt since I was coming that she should have me. So I'm here. <laughs> and then I went through some really terrible things in my adult life that, you know, we don't have time for. And I don't usually talk about with people. And I no, almost died. No need to. I almost died three times. So 
Cool. I'm still here. <laughs> and I've had I have all kinds of physical ailments, this, that, and the other, and I've had a rough time of it as an adult. And I'm still here. And I keep going. I keep going. So I feel like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. And I've got all these other things going on. I've had this all this weird sleep paralysis and strange stuff and visions and <laughs> so yeah, I kind of feel, yeah. I accept it, and I've come a long way through all kinds of trauma and PTSD. And, and you're determined, other. definitely determined. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, so I do accept whatever this is. I can't help but notice the correlation, not just you, it's a, it's a lot of people, that this correlation between like secret society initiation and what uh, people go through in this, what you went through. You know, you've got all this trauma in your life. You've got weird dreams. You have possible abductions, as far as you know, right? Something, And yeah. it's almost like you're being initiated into something, which is really similar to, say, like joining a secret society where you... <laughs> <laughs> or, or even some of the mind control programs that the CIA ran. Certain, right. Certain yeah. ones were trauma-based mind control, but that's, in a way, an initiation. In a way. But, you know, the, it is. their purpose was different. But no, I just, yeah, I, I noticed that one tonight. No, I do kind of feel that way. I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, I'm, I'm careful with my words. But I, yeah, I do kind of feel like there's something, like I'm in some kind of, I always joke, like the secret ninja mutant club or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's something, and 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 quickly, I have had like many many dreams about like experimentation and being taken underground into military complexes, um, and being on gurneys and all kinds of weird stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely, I don't know what that's all about, but. Um, well, if you ever find yourself lucid in those experiences. <laughs> The advice I would give you is to tell the people around you that uh, that you know you know what they're up to and you're not having any of it. Oh, I've done that actually. I've I've run I've pulled IVs out of me and run the hell out of there. I've been yeah. Yeah, at some point they'll kick you out. Yeah. <laughs> and leave you alone. <laughs> it's it's pretty much stopped. It's it's stopped. And the sleep paralysis has stopped too for the most part. Cool. In the last like three years or so, I've gotten a handle on all that. I've taken control. Awesome. Yeah. I want to get, I want to get a group of people together, uh, and and we talk about this, where we're talking about like on some sort of side project that we have, where we talk about this this particular stuff that you just brought up. And um, with these kinds of possible program memories and all that, where we have some sort of a round table, and it's, of course, there's nothing new with that, and that's out in the world. But with people that come on Nox Mente, and because there's so much more I want to hatch out, if you're willing. And oh, yeah. when, whenever we get get that going but there's that was a whole other side van i had that written down in my notes for you jj that i'm extremely interested in 
uh, you know, personally, but also I think talking about this stuff openly without, without having to validate, you know, I get, I get that if you're, you know, I, I understand people needing to validate details and all that. I just don't care about any of that. I'm just interested in people. I feel you're a truthful person. And so, and it doesn't even matter if you, your experiences are coming to you and you're talking about them. These are coming from a place of, of personal, a personal cauldron, if you will. And so that's the stuff I'm interested in. And I think we need more of that. And, uh, so I want to, I want, all I'm saying, God, I'm, 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 I'm dawdling. You're babbling. I know I'm totally babbling. Well, I, I, there was, so, this was such an important part of some of the content JJ has that we've talked about privately that is really extremely fascinating. And, and for me rings a lot of personal bells. So it's not again for me it's not really out in left field it's uh, it's stuff that i'm hearing other people say to oh, me yeah. privately and yeah. right jerry and oh, so yeah. it's, it's totally it's, normal to me now it's like oh yeah you're one of them so, right we've got a cloth going here and so i want to hatch the that stuff out and so when we we will figure something out but you're in that i want you in that conversation let me oh i definitely want to be in it for sure I'm gonna Did we get, I can't believe this time you guys <laughs> I know and I feel I had all of these things written down and it's you know it's partly me because like I said I go into tangents and then I can't uh oh, I can't get how all these notes here I had like some great dreams that I wanted to go into but it's okay we don't have to stop <laughs> yeah. and I and I'm fine right now with the time so we've only been on for an hour and 45 minutes Right, I think well. let's carry on a little bit. So bring us some stuff that you you actually brought to bring to the table. Give us some give us some of these dreams. Well, I had this one great dream, which ends in disappointment because I I never actually got to finish the dream, but it is worth talking about. Um, and this happened if if everybody is willing to listen real quick to it. No, we got to go now. Okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, we are in. You know, we get most of our listening afterwards, anyway. So, but I imagine our chat. You know, most people here, we have our group, and I know they all love you. So, okay, let's carry well, on. I'm going. All right. So, um, I had this one dream in around 2010, um, where I'm on the subway in New York, and. Uh, I remember there's an older man with a young boy and, you know, I'm on and they're, they're talking. I don't remember the conversation. They're maybe asking me some directions and it's friendly and they're smiling and we're back and forth having pleasantries. And then again, it comes to the point where it's my stop and I'm about to get off. And then suddenly they get on either side of me and they pull out these straps um, that sort of almost look like seatbelts. And they both, you know, the little boy and man, they're they're both on either side and they both strap me with these seatbelt looking straps. Um, 
and it suddenly turns from like friendly to like sinister and i'm like hey <laughs> what the hell are you doing and the man said you know and they grab me off and they're like dragging me off the subway the subway car and i'm like where are you taking me and the boy says we're taking you to the event and i'm like what are you talking about what event and they're they're dragging me out and then suddenly we're not in manhattan anymore and we're in my childhood neighborhood approaching my house my my childhood house where i grew up and we approach the house and they take me inside up the stairs and it's completely empty and my now my parents had moved out um in the early 90s so and I knew that in the dream, like this had already happened. So I'm like looking around, like, what are we doing in my old childhood house? Like, I'm aware of that. It's empty. And it looks the same, but it's empty. So they take me upstairs down the long hallway towards the bedrooms. And they take me into my parents' bedroom. And they basically just throw me in there and the bed is there still my parents bed but there's no sheets there's no nothing there's just the bed frame and the mattress they throw me in there and they they unstrap me and they slam the door and just leave me in there and it's daytime and there's like nothing on the windows and i'm just laying here and i'm looking around and um i'm just looking at my notes here real quick so I'm laying on the mattress looking around and I see this, there's like, you know, debris after you move out of a place, there's like dust bunnies and little nails and pins and whatever. And I see on the, on the quilted mattress fabric, there's a little sort of sewing pin with a head on it. And I pick it up and I'm looking at it. And I realize that it's sticking to my finger. And I, as I'm looking at it, another one starts flying towards me and it, it sticks to my finger and it's like suspended hanging off of my finger, like my finger's a magnet. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked now because I realize this isn't natural. And I start looking around, I look up and then suddenly all of the little metal bits in the room start flying towards me like I'm a magnet. I mean, they're not like, you know, hurling at me, but they're, they're all sort of flying towards me in slow motion. Like there's nails and there's just little bits of whatever metal that's left in the room is all coming at me and it's sticking to me. And then suddenly I just see this really bright light coming from outside through the windows, like this crazy, uh, kind of solar blaring light coming through the windows. And I jump up because I realize this is it. This is the event that they're talking about, the kid and the, the little boy. So I get up and I run to the bedroom door and it's, it's unlocked. They didn't lock me in. So I throw the door open and I'm running down the hallway and I run down the stairs to the front door. Like there was a big, big wooden door and then there was a glass door that you could put a screen door in in summer. So I, I throw, I'm standing there and I see this 
blaring, like blinding light. And there's this man standing in the doorway wearing a suit. Like the light is just bleeding and flooding around him, but I can see him. And he's wearing a suit with like a really thin tie. And I go to shove the front door open. And as I push it open, I get this like feeling that he's gonna give me this amazing message. Like this is it, this is the event and he's gonna give me a message. I throw open the door. And suddenly, <laughs> this is the worst part, is that I open the door and then I, I'm rudely awakened by a, an argument in my house where I am with the people I'm living with. And I never get to hear the message. Isn't that? <laughs> oh, holy crap. <laughs> Terrible. You don't even know how angry I was. And oh. it was, I was, in such, I was in such a bad situation um, at the time, like a violent, abusive situation. So I couldn't, but I was so angry. I was just like, are you for real right now? <laughs> I was like, I was a, this is such an amazing dream. Like magnetic stuff and like this it just seemed like I was about to receive this like profound message and then there's this like terrible messed up argument going on that's you know pulled me out of this dream so yeah that's that's one of them but I never got to see the end of the dream or get the message yeah, that is, that's super frustrating. It's even frustrating to listen to. I know. Is, Sorry, but, but it, it was more about the imagery and the, um, just, that's just an example of uh, how some of my dreams can be. Well, and then in, in listening to you tonight and then having talked to you in the past about all this, you know, you know, it was going to be juicy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what others did you bring? Um, I had another one about my cousin Tom that I had mentioned earlier that had worked on the um, the space station and whatnot, and that was really an important thing to me. He he, I really loved him. He passed away two years ago of cancer, and this one. I don't know if his wife is listening, but um, anyway, yeah. So I had been out of touch with him for a while, which is sad. And I was trying to get back in touch with him. And I had contacted his wife through LinkedIn and was sort of trying to make something happen so we could talk and get back in touch and had gotten their phone number again and stuff. And uh you know, time passes, whatever, and we just couldn't, you know, I had sent some emails, he didn't get back to me, and I was trying to get around to getting in touch with him, but things were going on, so long story short, I didn't get in touch with him, and then I had gotten a forwarded message from my brother, an email from Tom's wife, um, was really sad news that he had just been suddenly diagnosed out of nowhere with four, uh, stage four cancer and was passing away suddenly out of nowhere. Like he was fine and suddenly he wasn't. Um, 
but the strange part was is that about four days prior I had this dream about him and his wife and we were on the phone and it was weird because it was I could see them it was almost like a Skype situation and this was out of nowhere this this dream had come out of nowhere like I had tried contacting and that was like about six maybe even longer like seven months earlier and then just suddenly out of nowhere I had this dream about Tom and his wife and we were talking the phone and I could see it wasn't it was a rotary phone and I could see the cord and it was like a 60s 70s sort of yellow mustardy yellow whatever ugly yellow um, rotary phone cord I could see it the whole time and she was talking for him and he was smiling and laughing but he wasn't talking and she was talking for him and so you know, I had this dream on maybe like a Tuesday. Um, and then I was thinking about, I was like, oh God, I really got to get in touch with Tom. This is it. This is a clear sign that I've got to get in touch with him. And then that Friday, then I get this email forwarded from from his wife to my brother that he was passing away out of nowhere, like we didn't know. So... You know, of course, I get in touch with her and she gives me her cell phone number, like, you know, through email and get in touch with her. And then um, she, we set up a time, you know, we try to figure it out so that I can get in touch. And she sends me a message, like a second message via email. And she says, and I quote, he can hear you and understand if you'd like to call and speak with him, just understand it'll be a one-way conversation. So we, we pick a time and it's like on Saturday, you know, this is Tuesday to Saturday. So I call and she puts me on speaker with him and she leads the conversation and so I'm talking to him. It's just like the dream. It's just like the dream where she's talking and he's listening and he can hear me. And, uh, but he can't talk cause he's had a stroke and all that. And then, you know, we do that. And then I call my mom and dad and tell them cause they don't know yet, I guess, for whatever reason. My mom's like, no, well, I'm going to call tomorrow. I said, no, you need to call today because he's going to be gone tomorrow. I said, you need to listen to me and you need to call today. So she did. And then he passed away the next day. Wow, that gives me the chills. Did you encounter him in the dreamscape afterwards? Have you? Yeah, yeah I have a few times. We've and- talked. And so, uh, oh, he was one of the telepathic ones. Yeah. Interesting. Since that was the kind of the last, so you'd had that dream and then they, you know, played out, it was a dream premonition. And then it was kind of you talking to him and this having to set up 
this other link and then it plays out afterwards. Did what's the interaction been like with him since he's passed? Um, <laughs> interesting. I well, there's another thing. I mean, there's and there's a whole other story between him and his wife that I, I I'm not gonna get. There's some. It's pretty incredible the story. I'll have to share it with you. But um, very recently since. It was his the anniversary of his death um, on April 30th. Like I've really seen a lot of sinks and a lot of things. And I, I always called him Major Tom and Space Odyssey, the song and all that. You know, it's there's been a lot mm -hmm. of stuff happening. And I know he's like a guardian to me. I've always felt that and I know that because we had, you know, my great uncle, like I said, was basically like a a grandfather to me and well my aunt and uncle and then you know he was i wouldn't say he was like an uncle i don't know he was like a brother to me growing up and then whatever so we were close when i was younger but anyway i had some interesting i i feel like he's a guardian and i've had some sinks going on i'm not even in the dream state but basically i kind of spoke to him um last weekend and i kind of feel like he's a guardian angel or whatever of sorts and i i needed something um like i had a big bill to pay to the market that i do mm -hmm. and i i asked for help from him i needed a very specific amount of money to pay and <laughs> it's so weird because so i did this thing and then I'm at the market and it had to be cash and whatever. And uh, it was, I'm just gonna say, so it was $430 I needed and it had to be cash. And I, I asked for his help and like all day, we have to pay on Sundays and it's, it's Saturday and I'm like all day, it's so slow. And I'm like, how am I gonna do this? This is crazy, whatever, right? So, at at 4.30 in the afternoon, I get this strange email in my inbox that's from a Verizon phone number, um, and it's a picture text. And I'm like, what is this? And I feel like it's like a virus or s spam or something. I see it, and I'm like, ugh, I'm afraid to open it. I'm like, it's going to like ruin my phone. I've had things before, so I don't open it, and I throw it in the trash. Right? So. But then it's it's bothering me. I'm like, what is that about? What is that? So I think about it and I go back in the trash and I look at it. I look at the number and I Google the number and it's from where Tom and his wife used to live. Okay, so <laughs> like, oh my God, okay. So now I have to, so I Google the number and it's his wife's cell phone number. I'm like, this is very strange because I have her cell phone number with her name in my contacts. Like, okay, whatever. So I, I'm like, well, okay, it must be her. So I open the link and it has a message about him in it. Um, calling him Major Tom and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And this is, and the, the email comes in at 4.30 and I need, <laughs> I need $430. And I had made a few sales, but nothing close to 430 
And then after this, this man comes to my table and he's going on and on about my purple aragonite pendants and never seen anything like it before. He's a fashion designer. He's from England and he's going on and he's like, I don't wear jewelry, but I got to buy something. I'll buy it for people I love. This is, he's just going on and he's talking about, and the whole day, the little sales that I had were all related to like my hair, like I'm talking to people and their stories and it's all related to like people that had lived in Delaware Water Gap. Oh, (laughs) I'm Polish, you're Polish too. Oh, my so-and-so used to live in, it's like all related to my past or my family or my heritage or whatever and then this guy comes along and he's talking about he's like i love it it looks like clouds it looks like things that you you can't quite figure out what it is and it um it it was weird because it was all related to my artwork what he was saying and how i started doing everything like it really struck a chord in me what the man was he was like critiquing my work he was going on and on about it and he's like I buy this and this will you do a deal I said sure are you paying cash or he's like yeah and he starts whipping out cash at me and I'm just like okay (laughs) (laughs) and so he pays me and he needed something in just he said well can I meet you tomorrow I'll just pick him up tomorrow and I'm like yeah absolutely blah 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 and after he leaves and I don't sell anything in the in the rest of the hour or something that's left and he completed the $430 cash that I needed for the day. Wow. <laughs> oh, God, that's a, that's a great place to leave the show on, too. That is incredible how this all works. And it, it illustrates exactly why I keep my eyes open and why it, it we should keep our eyes open these things whether we create them or not are are cues to consciousness and and deeper consciousness not just wow look at this line of of sinks and i needed this exact money and all these 430s lined up but the fact that when you are open you can manifest exactly and it's it's giving me the chills again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I got and then I mean, and she and I have not talked since my niece's wedding in last January, not this January, but last January. I mean, we've had a little bit of Instagram, you know, quick replies, whatever. And then we had some text exchange after that too. That just came out of. So that was it. Was all very. I just really feel such as I don't need, I, I don't know if she's listening because I I've been posting on Instagram she's been liking my stuff she may be listening and I hope she finds it interesting because she had quite uh quite I mean my goodness if you hear the story of the time that she spent with Tom before he passed away in the 60 days from him being diagnosed to passing away it's it's an extraordinary story yeah that's i mean the that's that's rough too to uh uh i'm always taken back by these stories where someone's completely fine and then the next thing they know they're in you know 
stage four cancer and then they're they're gone it, it's yeah. just it's always like oh man how's this happen so fast but the, and then there's a lot of you know then there's all this stuff with just being connected to the stuff he was connected to that is yeah. of course to jerry and i uh so there's that i'm wondering if anyone has questions for you yeah i've got one right here in front of me oh boy okay it's from nate how would jj recommend getting in closer contact with the spirit world for those who might not necessarily look into these things but who might be open to it hi nate um hmm that is a good question well i mean i have like i said i feel like if you i don't not everyone can meditate and i certainly like for years when people like you need to meditate meditate blah 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 and i'd be like i can't do that i don't know what you're talking about um I didn't understand what it was. I still don't think I understand what it is. So to give advice to do it. But honestly, I mean, what I've been doing, where you just try to get yourself into a quiet, relaxed state um, and practice it more and more, I really feel like it does open you up more to things. And if you can somehow really relax yourself and get into um, some sort of, I mean, even if you're, I don't know, I'm not a good person to take naps either, but if you can get into that state where you're sort of drifting off to sleep or whatever, just find some way to get into a relaxed state, even if it's not necessarily quote unquote meditating, and you do it repeatedly, I think you will find that you will let your mind open up to different things and you will become more spiritually open. Um, and you, I don't know. I don't know how to advise I, that. I agree but with that's, that. That's what's, been, that's what's worked for me. I've, I've found that recently too, that if, because I nap regularly, but I notice sometimes if I if I just kind of drift off, but not quite asleep, I'll get a vision immediately. You'll be you'll I'll be watching something else <laughs> with my eyes closed, and it's not a dream because I'm wide awake. Right. If you let yourself pay attention to it, I've always assumed. I think that was, you know, I thought that was always. Real, all, yeah. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I just always have thought of it as remote viewing. Yeah, and it might be. I don't know, but as far as being like, when I've done remote viewing, that's the type of visual I would get. Yeah, and oftentimes you don't even—at least for me—you don't even realize that's happening. Right. For the first portion, anyway, until you. Right. It's like you kind of get into a river that's moving too fast, and you don't notice it. Like, oh. This is cool. Wait a minute. What the hell's going on? Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. No, it yeah. is very cool. Or, yeah. or if you can focus on something, like even I noticed, you know, if I have a candle lit and you stare at the flame or something, then you can kind of do it that way too. 
I my favorite thing to do is to put on some type of music. Yeah. You know, whatever. Something not like rock music, but you know, no. not not reiki music, but those kind of types of music from like meditative mind channel or something. Anyway, and what I try to do is pull out one note and focus on that one note in out of out of the the chords and all the music that's coming out of the song to try and pull out one note. Yeah, that's a good way to I actually do that sometimes too where I'll put on a specific um specific soundtrack of sorts mm. or whatever and then i mean uh, don't even get me st- i've been into this whole thing with harmonics lately too with different sounds and frequencies where that can definitely help that too um, i heard i heard something today i forget what I, I could find what it was but one of the the bass notes in it and i was listening to it on my sound system like vibrated my whole body from the back of my brain forward like i felt oh, wow. i felt like i was completely floating it was really weird and very cool did it vibrate your body before you pulled that and you were focusing on it or was that happening after you focused on it neither it, i had just started it and the sound came on and I, I i started to focus on it and then it was like a click in the back of my head it's really cool i'll find it <laughs> that's awesome yes. Cool. It is cool because I think that I really do think that music, um, <laughs> music has something to it. It's oh, I. Yeah. Well, if you look that, at it this way, that we're what seventy eight percent water. Mm. Cymatics is, is you know the yes. frequency in the water, and we're water, and music, and you know I think it's all related to that. Yeah, I do too. Very much so. I like this exercise that you just brought forward, Jerry, and that. You do, JJ. I have not done that, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I love listening to that kind of music, that frequency type stuff. So I'm gonna actually try that with focusing in on one note. The, it makes complete logical sense why that would work. Yeah, it does, and also, I mean, if you're, you got a song and you've got a multitude of notes going on, or a bunch, you know, you've got got plenty to pick from and something's gonna resonate i hate using that word but you know resonate with you no pun intended yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, but you can focus on it and you know i think it can really we know right we know focus is definitely a, a major aspect in accessing more (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, whatever it is, it, uh, at least for me, it puts me sort of into a trance state, and then before you know it, like Jerry says, with his thought of remote viewing, of which he's got a solid history of hits. Then so- there you go. Like, like what? One out of one? No, you've <laughs> done several little experiments in different shows we've done where you get actual hits jerry yeah i have gotten hits. yeah you have so don't, don't be trying now, to play cool. <laughs> <laughs> don't be shy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's good especially though you know i mean the thing about the possibilities when you're listening mm-hmm. to something that is a biurnal beat or a specific frequency or hertz and then and moving deeper into that yeah it makes a lot of sense to me i usually just let it 
flow over me. And so, but I love trance, period. So trance music, and I try to bring that to all my work. I, where whatever happens, you just get out, out somehow of yourself. Yeah, it's just kind of flowing out. Your stuff is great. I love it. It's 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 got a particular audience. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is uh, this is an amazing JJ, and I, I we have to get we have to get this other roundtable thing going on with this the high strangeness stuff Jerry and I want to do. It'll work its way out somehow, but you're in for sure. I'm excited. I'm down for it. Yeah, the high strangeness is just, this all leads into it, right? I mean, when we start talking about these kinds of things, and then I find people that have come on our show that have want nothing to do with high strangeness, actually. <laughs> have a I'm, all, lot, I'm all about right? it. Right, Jerry, though? They'll be like saying this, and, you know, just like a bunch of stuff, and it's like, uh, this is all tied into high strangeness. Oh yeah, but I think the the definition of what high strange okay, my idea of what high strangeness is has changed quite a bit in the last couple of years. Yeah, mine too. I don't even okay. consider so it high why, strangeness anymore. It? I don't know. It's I don't like that term. I still like that term, but I understand you. This is how these waves of language go. I still like the term. Well, what do you want to call it, Jerry? I don't know. I don't have another term, so it, it'll have to do. But I don't... High strangest to me is like cattle mutilation. Right. Well, it gets tightened. <laughs> it just, it just, it's just Linda Moulton yeah. Howe in my head. Yeah. I you know. Well. That's why I, I don't think of your type of experiences, JJ, as high strangeness. But if you think of it from the person, uh, from... People living more mundane experiences where they're close, they've closed themselves off to, to all this stuff. It's still, it will fall into high strangeness for them. And so it's still a term that I think is valuable. And just like you said, you don't have anything else to call it. Right. Well, yeah. on one, on one, one level, it's paranormal. On another, it's parapsychological. Yes. Uh, um, it's, it's multiple things. Yeah, and I didn't even get, we were, we're just talking about dreams. I didn't even get to, I mean, I've seen like all kinds of, I've seen shadow people in waking life. I've seen, I've had all kinds of crazy, like even poltergeist stuff going on. I've seen. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Ghosts and all kinds of strange, well, not even strange anymore, but like, yeah. Can I've you had... command UFOs to appear? <laughs> Have you tried? I haven't tried that don't really want to oh come on nah they could you just say and, I don't see, and that's the thing too i don't want to ever say that i've been visited or i'm an abductee or whatever i don't really know what that is anymore my my viewpoints have changed on it vastly yeah. and even even my concept of space has changed and even having oh, wait, these wait, family, do family tell members, do tell I don't really, I mean, especially very recently, I really feel like it's more of a dimensional thing than it is an out there, outer space thing now at this point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I do. I, of course, I believe that my uncle and my cousin worked on these spacecraft. Absolutely, I do. But but so what? <laughs> I don't know where those craft went to. Antarctica. I don't, and I remember seeing pictures um, in my uncle's cellar in his dark room of pictures of astronauts on the moon that he got from his buddies. Do I know? what those pictures are really from, I don't know. I know I saw them, but I don't know what they were. I, I'm in a similar boat. My, my uncle worked at Grumman on Long Island for like 40 years wow. and was on the Apollo 11 program and apparently on the microfiche that's buried on the moon in the flagpole or however the hell they did that. <clears throat> but yeah, I know. So, you know, anyone in my family is not open to this idea. And again, it could be both things too. It could be. It mm -hmm. totally could be. But I just don't think it's what I thought it was anymore. But there's the power is that we need to allow ourselves the ability to contradict. We don't, we have to contradict ourselves over time, I think, to gain, to gain road, to gain consciousness. To, pr to, to pry your awareness open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I'm, and I'm always saying in your chat, I'm like, people get upset and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, but we really don't know. Like, how can you say that for certain? You're arguing on theories. Yes. Well, we, you know there's, how we are here. There's a great, <laughs> I saw, uh, I'm going to give props to Jaron uh, Campanello, Jaronism, um, for bringing this up. He found an article on Scientific American about how cosmology has a big problem right now because they're, he basically lays out the fact that, that there are multiple models for the cosmos and science has chosen one. So everything that they, they seek to discover and research has to fit within that model and they won't go outside of that model. And as they come upon things that they can't fit into their model, they add new wedges, constants, whatever you want to call them, to... To, to balance the equations to make their yeah. model work, you know? And, and now they're at this point where nothing works at all anymore. Exactly. So and what a, do you do with that? What, exactly. It's a really good article, and I will put the link in the show notes and in the chat right now. Yay. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much. It was awesome. Do you have anything you want to plug or talk um, about your work? Or? How can people find your jewelry, yeah. first of all? It's bloody amazing. If you have not seen her jewelry, please look. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was on the YouTube link, but um, I'm on Instagram, which is where I'm selling from right now, mostly. Um, which is the Ren de Blanc. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> maybe we can, I don't know where to put it, but I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and the link to my Instagram is on the Twitter. Um, and my Twitter is backwards. It's not Ren de Blanc. It's like Blanc Rain or something. It's B-L-A-N-C and then it's R-E-I-N-E. I think it is. I don't even know. I can't even look it, at it that's right. That's correct. <laughs> Thank white, you. <laughs> is it white, white queen? Yeah. yeah. 
for oh. Queen of White both ways. Yes. Either way. That's, that's crazy so the, the link is there. Yeah, and Jerry puts all this stuff. It's everything's accessible. Jerry's okay. yeah. If you join our Discord, you can come to the show notes channel and see all the show notes and all the links I've been dropping in the chat and whatnot. Extras. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Or if you're if you're in New York City, um, I'm down on Prince Street uh, every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at the Nolita Market. Nolita. N O L I T A. It's Nolita. yeah, it's Nolita. Um, it's north of Little Italy. Oh, I know a girl named Nolita. Oh. <laughs> I've never heard the name before. You know, Nolita. Alrighty. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. We had a great conversation. Thank you, JJ. Thank you, Nish. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Be so sure. Much. Next week, we've got David Metcalf, who's like expert in Santa Muerte, right? He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's an awesome he's guy. Fantastic. I hung out with him at Paramania and just wanted to like, sit and listen to him talk for hours. <laughs> so anyway, I will do that next week. Awesome. Thank you so much, JJ. This has been Thank fantastic. Thank you, everyone. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll take care. Bye.